The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! Go Cowboys! This is Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw Dating, preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys, and broadcasting live from Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star. Happy Victory Monday, Cowboys Nation. This is Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys, who are now officially 8-3 and three after a Thanksgiving victory against the New York Giants, 28-20. to 20. I am joined by two lovely ladies that y'all already know. Of course, we have Christy Scales here, Aisha Morrison, I'm your host, Jess Navarez, for the day. And we can't forget Jazzy, our producer in the Jazzy. back. Jazzy. Jazzy. The reason this all can come through so beautifully. So, we are here. We are excited. How are y'all feeling? First of all, how was your Thanksgiving? Uh, other than a Cowboys win, we know it was great, but was the food delicious? Christy, how was that press box food? Yeah, it always tastes better, for sure, after a win. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I get home about 8.45 or so after a Thanksgiving Day game, and so my family is on third and fourth helpings, but they have saved me a plate from the original one, so <laughs> it, it does always taste better. But I, I was—I just wanted to play whack-a-mole. I was so happy. I love that. I see what you did there. there I you love you like that. that. You like that? I did. I love that. Aisha, how was your Thanksgiving? I—I I was chilling, y'all. Like, <laughs> I didn't want to pressure my family with my my uh, outbursts during the game. Oh, so I just stayed at the house and I cooked <laughs> by myself and watched the game in peace because I guess this is I didn't realize how many Thanksgivings it had been since the Cowboys won um on Thanksgiving. Yeah. I didn't know it had been like what four years? I didn't know that. Until Too long. I was just accustomed to being sad. And oh, so I just that is so depressing. <laughs> nah, well, I was accustomed to, I was preparing my family and myself to not have to. Exactly. Right. And I wanted my food. I didn't even eat until after the game. You can't. It I, was a time. Yeah, no, I drove back home uh, to <laughs> Las Cruces. And so I was like, all right, well, the drive back's either going to be really quiet and really sad or it's going to be really good. And so it was really good. Was good. Hype drive back home. And uh, my family loved having. All of us together to watch the game, and it was it was a good time. So uh, loved that, loved pumpkin pie, even though I got some scrutiny for being yeah, a pumpkin pie Yeah, they don't you lover. up about that pumpkin pie. But you know what was sweeter than pumpkin pie was, again, a Cowboys victory on Thanksgiving. Christy, I'm going to go right to you for this, because how was the environment of the stadium? It's Thanksgiving Day. You have all the Thanksgiving spread at the stadium. What was that environment like, and what was the ratio of fan base compared to Cowboys fans and Giants fans? Uh, not as many Giants fans. But I tell you, the the crowd was great to start the game. And honestly, I think one reason why it was so loud at the beginning of the game is it was so rainy and cruddy and cold and windy on Thanksgiving morning that instead of people being outside tailgating, you know, you see lots of deep fried turkeys in the parking lot and stuff like that. (laughs) So there's a lot of tailgating that happens on Thanksgiving home games. But because the weather was so bad, the crowd was inside earlier. It was not one of these late arriving crowds. They were on and they were ready. But the thing was, they didn't have a lot to cheer about in the first half. It was such a... it was fits and starts. A lot of it had to do with penalties, how tightly the game was being called. Cowboys didn't really play well, in my opinion, until the second half. So so the the crowd kind of got taken out of the game just because there was no real rhythm or, or flow to the game. But once it got going in the second half, it was really off the hook. Now, that's such a good point that you make about the first quarter and the first half of the game, there being no flow and no rhythm. Um, I feel like so many 
uh, factors come into play with the slow start or kind of how they played to start. And maybe it's the 12 ga- well, the three games and 12 games. You saw some of the slowness. Also, Dak Prescott, this was his first time playing this defense, this particular defense, which has kind of Good been point. shifted and changed around with Wink and a lot of the things they do defensively. Um, they took a minute to get – they took a while to get into the groove. I've talked about so many times getting off to faster starts, and it was kind of – it was shaky, but the response was good. The response was good because last year you saw in the Raiders game, quite honestly, I felt like a lot of us felt like mm, this is going to be a rough day from the beginning of the game. And in this game, you had a, instant, a few instances in the first quarter where you're like, oh, man, please, not, not again with the penalties and all that stuff. But they responded well in the second half, and I think that is something good for them to show moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. I, think, I think that's the most important thing is this was not the Cowboys' best game. It was not clean yeah. and crisp and efficient like it was four days earlier mm-hmm. when they played their best game of the year sure. uh, at Minnesota. So, Aisha, you make a great point in that the, it wasn't the best, but they were still able to come through in the second half. And, and you're right about Dak. That even though the offense was going tempo, you know, getting up on the ball, Dak was making making a lot of adjustments at the line because, as you say, Wink, Wink Martindale, who's the yep. uh, mm-hmm. defensive coordinator for the Giants, who loves to bring lots of pressure. So there were a lot, some different looks and things like that, and Dak was trying to make the adjustments there. But, uh, uh, you know, great, great play in the second half. So, and, <laughs> and you're talking about a great play. Okay, this is a, a, a smooth transitioner. I'm trying to be smooth with this transition a little bit. What would have been a great play is that one-handed catch by C.D. Lamb. Yeah. Christy, what did you see when you were on the sidelines with that? Uh, obviously, I don't think you could see the footwork that zoomed in being right there, but what was that like in within those moments of trying to see how that all corresponded and went down the line? Yes, I was on the Cowboys sideline at about the 10-yard line, and of course, it, so the play was to my right in the back of the end zone, so CD was maybe about 20 yards away, but at first I thought, oh, there's no way he caught the ball. You know, there's no yeah. way that he could get that that foot down. And the the first thing I look at are the officials. And so the back judge was very emphatic that it was not a catch. Mm. And so I thought, oh, too bad. But then when they started showing the replays, it's like, oh, my gosh, his, his uh, toe did get down. But by rule, the definition, you know, the, the toe heel, technically it was not a catch. <laughs> But to see CD's reaction on the sideline, because when they first showed the um, replays on the on the Jerrytron on the big board, <laughs> they stopped it when you saw his toe and not mm. his heel. So everyone's like, "Yay, he made the catch!" Yeah. And then uh, the official comes after a couple minutes of replay and makes the announcement. And CD Lamb, his reaction, his face. It was like someone took a, the candy away from a kid at Halloween. It just went from joy to bewilderment. <laughs> and so, uh, it, actually, I'm, that's what's funny was was CD's reaction. But when you saw it live, Aisha, did you think that it was a catch? I I didn't realize until you know they did the replay and. I'm still learning the, all the rules about that stuff. So, again, like, that's something I'm learning as far as the, the heel being down in comparison to the toe. I Sometimes you just give it to them. Sometimes. Just <laughs> give like In the spirit of giving. And, and I right? know that's not the right answer, but sometimes you'd be like, when guys make grabs like that, like, it's just be like, but I understand the rule or whatever. Yeah. And, what I really enjoyed about CD's post-game interview was that 
uh, somebody had asked him, how does this rank within the rest of your catches? And he says, it doesn't, because it doesn't count. It doesn't count. It's so sad because it was such a great catch. Mm. I mean, his body awareness, and, and I mean, I think we've seen the the baseline for what CD is going to be as a receiver these next few weeks. And we were just talking about before we started recording, Christy, how fast this season has gone by. But you also look at the progression that CD's had within that time, and he has really developed into this wide receiver one role. I think the Vikings game and this Giants game was a good example of that. But, man, I wanted him to have that catch. That <laughs> what was, was the reaction incredible. with your family in Las Cruces? Oh, when, when, when they said no they catch, knew. were y'all like no. hurling turkey <laughs> drumsticks at the TV or See, something? See, we have to eat before the game okay. so Thanksgiving is planned around the Cowboys game at home and my dad automatically that's a catch and I'm like no dad I don't I don't think it is no it's a catch okay dad all right yeah. well we'll see but um no it was it was fun it was uh Aisha you should have just come with me because we were we were going on on all our all of our emotional outbursts so next time we know I, yes and uh <laughs> but you know staying on the wide receiver topic here because somebody that I think really has shined through these last couple of games, Michael Gallup. And really showing that pre-injury for Michael Gallup, I think he has been getting that juice back. We've seen his progression really since the return and and that – that initial slow burn of him being integrated back into the offense. Christy, I wanted to ask you specifically, because you followed Michael Gallup throughout the entirety of his career so far, and you were there when the injury occurred. You saw him starting to play, you know, really in this role pre-injury, and then now you've seen him kind of progress back to that. What has that been like for you to see him progressing as the player he's becoming today? Well, it's rewarding. Michael's such a great guy. Uh, Also, he was the offensive captain for the game. Game on Thursday, yes, so I yep. thought that was very cool uh, for him to have such a big game. But it's not just putting up numbers, but when they got the ball, I believe it was their uh, third possession, so they took over late in the first quarter. But a couple of those catches that he had, it was like not back to yeah, back to yeah, back. And, and the way the way that he those were not easy catches. The mm-hmm. way he reached up and plucked the ball, those hands catches, those are hard to do and contested as well. So. Um, I think that he's a guy that was really helping on Thursday move the chains, and that's what's really important. So the highlights are CD one-handed catch out of the back of the end zone or along the sideline, but the way that Gallup was making those contested catches as the uh, Cowboys were converting third downs, I thought that's what was really important. I'm all for getting Michael Gallup going early. Yeah, Getting him going early and getting him involved early, he's such – I think um, one thing about Michael Gallup, his physical play matters. And when he's going against a two-corner and stuff and he's able to push them around, like when he makes those catches, he's also putting a body on these guys. He's putting – he's laying into them. And when they tackle him, there was a couple times they were trying to tackle him and they couldn't even get him down to the ground. His his strength is starting to show again. And I'm – his progression has been, you know – not slow to say the least, but it's been a up you know a uphill battle. Just seeing him get better and trust his leg more, I'm really excited to see him add that deep threat to his game again. But right now, the way that they're using him, slants, deep crossers, that stuff is progressive and it's giving him confidence exactly. as well. It's an easy way to give him confidence within a game and get him started. And I, the game plan with him, I think, is spot on to yeah. get him back and integrated. Yeah, the yards offense. after catch is so important. I was so just important. about yeah. to say that. Yeah. In a game where yardage matters, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that yardage after his catch. And I went back to that third drive that you were talking about, Christy, and great catch in the air by Michael Gallup fighting for the ball in the air. And something 
thing I wrote here is he stuck the outside foot to drag it, drag right. the inside foot with that catch you were talking about. So again, the body awareness, the muscle memory of these men, is, it's just so captivating to me when you think about all of the things that go into making those incredible plays. So Michael Gallup, consider your kudos and your flowers given to you t- this Monday uh, because you absolutely deserve it. And of course... This would not be Girls Talk, Boys Talk. If we didn't go back to that whack-a-mole situation (laughs) from the Cowboys tight end room, Christy, can you please explain how, I can't even imagine how the stadium erupted after the entire episode of that tight end whack-a-mole game that we saw going on. I can't believe that three NFL tight ends could fit in a kettle. (laughs) I mean, it's a big kettle, but dang. It gave you perspective on how big it is in there. I was like... Yeah. How do they fit in there like that? <laughs> I, I really think that's the most creative Cowboys touchdown celebration I've ever seen. Now, of course, when it was um, Schultz and uh, Ferguson or Hendershot on the uh, calf roping uh, deal, was, that uh, was Schultz. Schultz, 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 yeah. Schultz, Schultz was being calf, yeah. calf roped. But um, so, so far, I would say that the tight ends are winning when it comes to uh, creative celebrations. But I just thought it was so much fun. But what's interesting is when Zeke started the whole thing back in his rookie year in 2016, we we think that that happened on Thanksgiving Day. It actually happened a few weeks later. It was a game on December 18th because what the Cowboys do is they lead those Salvation Army red kettles uh, in the back of the end zone uh, through the holiday season so that they're visual reminders as people are watching the games, um, not just Thanksgiving Day, but but throughout the holidays. So And then... Then two years late, so that happened 2016 when Zeke first jumped in the kettle. Two years later is when Dak scored on a run, and then Zeke lifted Dak into and put the it kettle. In, put yeah. Him in there. yeah, but uh, honestly, I will say that I was not. I was surprised that the team was not penalized. Because that's when, because that's why Zeke didn't jump in it. He was the first to score a touchdown on this past Thursday, but he knew not to jump in because it was a close game and you can't afford 15 yard penalty assessed on the kickoff or you know knocking him back 15 yards to try the extra point. So uh, I'm mildly surprised that they uh, did not get fined, but happy that they did not. I'm surprised too because they was calling everything. Oh, (laughs) that's the only thing. That's the only thing that was not called by Scott's crew. We will get into that (laughs) because there's plenty to talk about with those penalties because uh we we have some feelings about that here on girls talk boys talk but coming up after the break we're going to take a look at how the cowboys defense defended against the run game with the giants and how they handle a mobile quarterback all that and more coming up in just a bit this is girls talk boys talk presented by jigsaw the preferred dating partner of the dallas cowboys At Jigsaw Dating, we obviously want the Cowboys to bring that sixth ring home. But to be honest, we're more focused on finding the person who will put a ring on your finger. That's why we created a dating app that reveals your face through meaningful conversation, so you can date deeper. Because it's personality that matters the most, not looks. Join Jigsaw Dating today, dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. All right, Pepsi-loving football fans, it's time we had a lesson in trash talk. And I'm not talking about that stuff that happens on the field. What I'm talking about is trash, and it's the only thing that belongs in your garbage can. Now, recycling might not be as thrilling as converting a fourth and long, but next time you're thinking about throwing that Pepsi Zero Sugar bottle away, just cap it back up and pretend you're down by six with the recycling bin wide open. (sighs) Know the difference? Make a difference. Be a team player and recycle. Visit PepsiTrashTalk.com to learn more. 
I'm Dak Prescott, quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. And they snap it to Prescott, who looks right. It's not there. He escapes left. He'll run for a first down. Just like football, when it comes to crypto, it's important to have a team you can trust. With blockchain.com, I know I'm in good hands. Since 2011, they've been trusted by millions around the world to buy, sell, and trade cryptocurrency. Prescott's going to run this himself. Run it up the middle, and he scores. Whether you're new to crypto or an active trader, they've got you covered. What are you waiting for? Get started at blockchain.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. We're going to get into all things Cowboys defense, but first, let's talk about Dan Quinn and the Salute to Service Award. Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn's long support of service members, veterans, and their families demonstrates the Salute to Service tenants who honor, empower, and connect with those that preserve our freedoms. The Cowboys are now proud to nominate Coach Quinn as our 2022 NFL Salute to Service Award Club nominee. Join us in making sure he he becomes a finalist for this prestigious award by voting at NFL.com slash salute fan vote. Make sure to do that now. Go vote. Wherever you are, drop what you're doing. Go, go vote. Go vote for DQ. Unless you're driving. Don't do that, please. But go this vote for bad. Dan Quinn whenever you get the chance. Definitely <laughs> a very well-deserved person for that award. I told you you'd like that, Reed. Yes, I did it. like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so I wanted to switch gears, talk about the defense, but first saw this tweet uh, courtesy of Fox Sports PR where history was made this Thanksgiving because the coverage of the Cowboys and Giants game ranks as the most watched regular season game on any network with 42 million viewers. Y'all, mm. there you go. Only this does it right here. And if you can't see, I'm pointing at the Cowboys star. But uh, absolutely a great game. I'm, I'm definitely glad they won it with that many eyeballs on them, not including the ones at the stadium either. But I wanted to transition now to the Cowboys defense because the topic of conversation the last few weeks and uh, their three-game stint within the last 12 days specifically was the run defense. How was the run defense, um, you know, these last three games? But specifically, something that we had talked about on this podcast was the Vikings didn't really test the Cowboys' defense in, in that category because they shied away from the run. The Giants uh, kind of had to do the same thing. But I wanted to ask you both and leave this up for uh, a little bit of debate. So did the Cowboys improve the run defense? And if so, do you feel like the Giants tested this more than the Packers? Or the Vikings. I mean, oh well, anybody. <laughs> I okay. Well, Sorry, I was looking over here, bad. but it was for anybody to grab. Well, I want to be fair. Um, even with the Vikings game, there were instances where you forced them to throw the ball because of the run defense. It was very vocal that they earned they earned the ability to rush the passer. But in this game in particular, I mean, you held Saquon Barkley to three point five yards a carry, uh, thirty nine yards total. It looks like well, thirty nine yards rushing. That's impressive. Like. Saquon Barkley's been playing like one of the better 
running backs in the NFL right this year, and he's actually resurging as one of the more dominant run backers, run backers, running backs in this in this game. But then also, what the Giants do with their offensive line is impressive. Their run schemes, their motions, the way that they get you looking one way and going the other way is still impressive. And I I really felt like the Cowboys linebackers have elevated their play. I think that Leighton Vander Esch is playing. He played lights out. Yeah. And Damone Clark um, is coming along. His his speed makes a difference. Um, with filling those gaps, and so, and also too, you got a lot in run support from your from your DBs this game. I thought the DBs came up and tackled and made their presence known. Donovan Wilson made some good plays. Uh, Deron Bland came up, sealed the edge a couple times. So yeah, absolutely, guys are playing their assignments, and that was half the battle. So what you're saying is Deron Bland is anything but bland on the edges. Bye. <laughs> Get away from me. <laughs> Real quick, I wanted to run down some of these stats, and of course, Christy, I would love to hear your thoughts on the Cowboys' run defense. But the let's see, the Giants only had 90 rushing yards for this game out of a total of 300 yards. They had 21 first downs. Uh, they were 3 for 11 in third down efficiency. And then something we always talk about here on the podcast is time of possession and where that ends up uh, kind of landing the Cowboys, whether it be a victory or a loss. The Cowboys had the ball during this game for 34 minutes and 9 seconds, the Giants having it for 25 minutes and 51 seconds. And, of course, penalties. The Giants had seven penalties for 66 yards. However, on the Cowboys' side, 13 penalties for 86 yards, which, believe it or not, was less than uh, the Thanksgiving before. So (laughs) I I looked into that. I did. But, Christy, what was your thoughts on the Cowboys' run defense and how the effort has been put in to improve it since, you know, just – kind of being exposed these last couple of weeks. Well, the Giants didn't do the one thing that I feared going into the game, and that is Daniel Jones is their most effective weapon when he runs. Now, I I shouldn't say that because Saquon Barkley is having a stellar season, and he's terrific, but the way that they were focusing on the run and, you know, keep him from making big plays and getting yards after contact, and you can limit him. But they did a lot more drop-back passing, the Giants did, than – designed runs and things like that because Daniel Jones has hurt him in the past when he breaks containment and and goes down the field or when they have designed runs for him. So um, they were able to sack him three times. The Cowboys were. They actually sacked him uh, five times back in the week three win at New York. But uh, I think that part of the Uh, success or one reason why the run numbers were low is that for the Giants is that the Cowboys were able in the third quarter to to get that lead and then the Giants were having to throw it in the fourth quarter and that's like when you saw Micah sack and the like. Sure and I think yeah I think no I was just going to say I think something that was also set to be tested during this game was a mobile quarterback for the Cowboys defense because a lot of people kind of forget that when you're talking losses within this team most of them I mean have that mobile quarterback component Uh, Mm -hmm. Jalen Hurts I think absolutely was the prime example of that uh, against the Eagles but I mean just looking at Daniel Jones's stats throughout this game he had 228 yards one touchdown there but nothing impressive I mean either from from this Giants team, I mean, this is this was not a bad team by any means. This is not a bad team. This was this is the team we're talking about neck to neck within the NFC East for uh, for second place. 
at that point, which the Cowboys have now sealed, by the way. I just got to throw yeah. that in there. <laughs> I just want to say one other thing about the, the run defense. And you mentioned Damone Clark and him having a good game. He's had to step yeah. in for Anthony Barr, who missed his third straight game with a hamstring injury. But think of the state of the Cowboys' <laughs> defensive line going into that game. They've been ravaged by illness. Say there that. were four guys yeah. that we thought were not going to we were unsure if they were going to be able to play or not. And so the fact that, number one, they were able to suck it up and play, but to be that effective, I mean, kudos to them because, um, yes, the Giants have had a, a, a lot of uh, – Injury issues with their O-line. They were without three of their starting offensive linemen. But this was a game where the defensive linemen uh, had a lot more to deal with than just game planning and X's and O's. They were really fighting through off-the-field illness to make sure that they could be out there for their teammates. And Oh, sorry. And with Osa, I think um, to that point, I think some of the big guys up front played well. Demarcus Lawrence. Yeah. That Demarcus Lawrence, y'all, is is such a staple for this defensive line. He does so much of the dirty work um, in the run game, especially. And um, also, also Odigizu, I think this was one of his better games I've seen him have um, this season. And he his presence was known, and I believe he also was a captain. He was. He was and the he defensive captain. And he came out captain. and played, absolutely. And so uh, that's also why your linebackers were able to play better. The the fill and gap assignments were so much better this game, but that's because your your defensive line actually did some things as well there. So. Yeah. And earlier you talked about Donovan Wilson, the Cowboys' safety. Mm-hmm. I think he's one of the unsung heroes of the oh, defense yeah. this year, along with Dorrance Armstrong. I mean, he's the thumper. He's the one that brings the hits. <laughs> and that's Dan Quinn and Mike McCarthy. They just uh, rave about him. Yeah. And um, so uh, he doesn't get as much attention, but he's the one that is is kind of carrying the identity of the defense when he comes up and fills the hole. Something I did want to make sure to mention, because we're throwing out a lot of names here, but Damone Clark, this is only, what, his fourth NFL game after a spinal fusion surgery, and he is playing to this level. I mean, he had six tackles and one assist during this game, and stats don't prove everything. We've talked about that multiple times here on this podcast, but what we do see is not only a dynamic player, but somebody who has potential to continue to keep growing and make an impact within this defense. And it is scary. That is absolutely scary. Somebody else that I think had a great game, Trayvon. Trayvon came out and said, uh, I'm not losing to the Giants on Thanksgiving Day. Thank you very much. Um, so I, I was going back to my notes trying to find um, one of the times that Trayvon really um, came through. And I want to say it was the Giants' ninth drive towards the end of the game. But I think Trayvon really has just been more of that silent killer within that defense who he's on that coverage. He is on the coverage. But the thing is, is I think when people hear Trayvon, they think, oh, interceptions, he's not getting as much. Well, of course, nobody wants to throw near Trayvon anymore. Would you? I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to throw anything towards his way. He's going to catch it. I mean, um, especially if uh, you're Daniel Jones, who was getting (laughs) all of that pressure up front. Oh, my goodness. That was I did not want to be Daniel Jones yeah. on Thanksgiving Day. But, yeah, just just some names to mention. Of course, Micah Parsons having himself a day with two of those sacks that you had mentioned. And we can't say enough good things about that guy. I mean, Micah is just such a threat within this defense. And it's absolutely incredible to just watch him continue to be this player. I mean, there's not really much else to say about Micah Parsons. Yeah, Micah Parsons. Like, I mean, part of the reasons why, you know, Micah played uh, more edge this game and that allowed him to get to the passer and, you know, get after the passer. And a big part of that is because Damone Clark is 
man in that middle linebacker position. So it's freeing him up in that way. And to your point also about Trayvon Diggs, um, I don't know if this is something you guys have noticed, but, you know, people are going at your two are yeah. going at your two corner. Um, so if, if there's an improvement to be made, I would be looking at what what's going to come from that is the fact that no one's even wanting to throw to Trayvon's side and maybe if you can get some safety help over there. Because if you eliminated some of these big plays, the defense looks even more impressive than what it does. But that's that's my thing right now. Trayvon, it's like a catch-22. Trayvon plays fantastic. Nobody wants to throw to him. But at the same time, your two corner is just getting targeted and targeted. And it's it's – it's something that I do think that they're going to have to address defensively pretty soon here because it's a thing. Mm -hmm. I well, think that's the way it was, you know, when Dion was here or wherever yeah. he was. But if you can take away half the field, you know, so. it's, it's like it's it's like I said, it's it's a catch twenty two. It's very frustrating because you say like, okay, of course Anthony Brown's going to get picked on. He's not going to win every situation. But then when you see games teams coming out and specifically game planning for that. Hopefully that's something we see addressed here soon. But the main thing about that is when you talk about an Anthony Brown or whoever the cornerback is, yeah. whoever the two corner is or whatever, you want that guy to be the one to say, hey, yeah, come on, bring it on, True. throw it to me. You yeah. don't want the guy who's like, oh, no, now they're coming at me. And so uh, I think that, that that's what you hear coaches talking about when they, they talk about the mindset of uh, being the number two corner or number three guy like Deron Bland getting thrown in there, having to take over for Jordan Lewis and play in the slot and being a rookie. And so, uh, but the way that teammates and coaches talk about these guys and mm -hmm. knowing A.B., you know, all the years that he's been here, these guys have the right mindset to do that. Right. The only thing that worries me is the amount of penalties. And here we go. I'm talking about penalties. But this is the perfect example to why, because – to me, this Giants team on paper should have been a very easy feat for this Cowboys team to go out and, and beat. No way should they be trailing them at halftime. I mean, and, and you look at that. Those are all self-inflicted things with those penalties that what worries me is the defense goes in and kind of eliminates what those penalties are doing. It And luckily the defense can. They can stop, you know, a mobile Daniel Jones from making a big play, uh, Saquon Barkley from making a big play. But what worries me is, I mean, man, when you're when you're talking later on down the road, 13 penalties in a game, can't be doing that. That is so self-inflicted, and it's frustrating. And, I, I mean, hey, I, we'll talk about this on the other end of this other break, but Zach Martin being called for a whole <laughs> show? Are you kidding me? I, I Blasphemy. almost went into shock, yeah, you guys. Yeah. So Sports Illustrated used to do a little thing, and it was called This Week's Sign That the Apocalypse Is Upon Us. That and was it. Some little thing, and, and as soon as they, they called number 70 holding, I'm like, This Week's Sign That the Apocalypse Is Upon Us. I think I sucked all the air out of the world. I went, What? I, I mean, it was it was shocking. Yeah, yeah but the good news, the good hear. news is he still has more Pro Bowls than holding penalties go. in his career. So that was there his sixth holding penalty in his entire career. That is so wild. I think the Cowboys had four false starts in that game. Um, I want to be fair looking within the game. Dak Prescott, as you said, was doing a lot at the line of scrimmage, trying to get them in the right play. Mm -hmm. And when also, too, when you see, like, tight ends or receivers having false starts, a lot of the time that's communication. So right. I want to be fair about – so much of the changes and stuff they were doing, I think that has something to do with it being a short week and them not being mm -hmm. able to practice these things. So I want to be fair. Also, too, let's keep it a buck here. 
they were calling everything in this game. And I'm trying to be. They didn't call CDs. I'm trying to, to be. Though. I know. I'm just trying to be. <laughs> I understand that. I understand the penalties are a problem, but I'm trying. I feel like we have a bigger sample size of them getting, what, four, five penalties a game and that kind of being the look around the NFL that's kind of what is happening here and so but uh, my guy Matt Owen had a fantastic tweet earlier he said the Cowboys have been flagged for 80, 83 times this season second most in the NFL their point opponents have been called for 70 penalties third most we have the third most preseason uh preseason pre-snap penalties no team in the league has been penalized at home more than the Cowboys 45 the next highest is New Orleans 41 mm-hmm. you got to clean it up so absolutely I 100% think that they have to clean it up i just want to be um i don't know uh just fair fair with uh, even killed about this game in particular and how it was officiated and more so how that crew in particular has officiated for three weeks even prior it's just they they're 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 picky. They don't. They don't play but, anything. But they know. Yeah. But the players know that, and the and, coaches know that going in. That, so, so tracking so, that, you gotta yeah, adjust no to excuses. that. No excuses. You gotta exactly. adjust to that. Absolutely. I, sure. I think it's just it's one of those things that if you weren't playing the Giants, how would that have impacted the game? True. You're right. I, that's that's what worries me going forward. And um, so we're kind of alluding to talking about Dak. We have a little bit more to talk about on the offense. So that's coming up on the other side of this break. We're gonna hear from Dalton Schultz and something interesting that he said in his post game interview. All that and more on girls. Talk Boys Talk presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. At Jigsaw Dating, we obviously want the Cowboys to bring that sixth ring home. But to be honest, we're more focused on finding the person who will put a ring on your finger. That's why we created a dating app that reveals your face through meaningful conversation so you can date deeper. Because it's personality that matters the most, not looks. Join Jigsaw Dating today, dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. All right, Pepsi-loving football fans, it's time we had a lesson in trash talk. And I'm not talking about that stuff that happens on the field. What I'm talking about is trash, and it's the only thing that belongs in your garbage can. Now, recycling might not be as thrilling as converting a fourth and long, but next time you're thinking about throwing that Pepsi Zero Sugar bottle away, just cap it back up and pretend you're down by six with the recycling bin wide open. (sighs) Know the difference? Make a difference. Be a team player and recycle. Visit PepsiTrashTalk.com to learn more. It's Smoothie King's Original Angel Food and New Angel Food Slim without added sugar. You no longer have to choose between treating yourself and hitting your goals this summer. You don't have to choose between great taste and feeling great. Because at Smoothie King, every blend is made with whole fruits and no syrups. So you can satisfy your cravings without compromise. The only choice you will need to make is which one is best for you. Try our classic angel food or the new angel food slim, blended without added sugar. Smoothie King, rule the day. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back.
Welcome back to Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. We are breaking down the Cowboys' offensive performance against the Giants, but first, let's talk sounds of the star. Live music fans head to the star in Frisco on Tuesday, November 29th for a brand new monthly concert series, Sounds of the Star, featuring the country rock band Western Rewind. The concert kicks off at 7 p.m. and is free and open to the public. For more information, you can visit the star in Frisco. Dot com. We love live music. That mm. sounds exciting. We do. A little, it's a little chilly, so maybe bring a jacket, but enjoy what sounds of the star. Sounds fun. And speaking of stars, <laughs> I'm just waiting to see who is it. Yeah, I'm like, who is it? <laughs> stars. I, I mean, just our tight end group. I mean, the Cowboys tight end group is just, we can't say enough good things. I know we talked about them a lot, um, the, the first segment of the show, but what I really thought was interesting was we heard from Dalton Schultz. Obviously, we saw the difference in the first half and the second half performance from the Dallas Cowboys, but we heard from Dalton Schultz after the game, and this is something he said when he was asked about some of the adjustments made uh, between that first half and the second half. Take a listen. We just started playing together. Um, we came in, not a whole lot changed in, the, in our game plan, but we made a couple of minute adjustments. Um, honestly, we kept calling basically the same stuff that we called in the first half. We were just executing at a higher level. Um, mixing it up, um, you know, I've said this from day one, I feel like, you know, we're at our most dangerous when we're on the ball. Um, and I think we did a good job of executing on the ball today. Thank you, Jazzy. Definitely love that. Ladies, I thought that was interesting. I thought that was very interesting because the first half and the second half of that game just looked like a completely different Cowboys offense. So it's interesting that he he says, yeah, we basically did the same thing we did in the first half. We just executed it better, which goes back to, back into the mistakes that the Cowboys are making right now are all self-inflicted. Yes. Because they have the talent. They have the guys in the right position. It's just self-inflicted, whether it be penalties, whether it be miscommunication. So I thought that was just a very interesting take from Dalton Schultz. And, of course, Dalton Schultz uh, had himself a game just absolutely becoming one of the clutch guys for Dak Prescott. So let's run down some of the Cowboys' stats real quick from the Giants' Thanksgiving Day game. Uh, the Cowboys had 430 total yards, 261 of which were passing yards, 169 of which were rushing yards. They averaged 6.2 yards per play, everybody. That is incredible. Uh, they had 26 first downs. They were 7 of 11 in third down efficiency, which we'll get into. 69 total plays. And uh, let's see. That's uh, basically what she wrote, right? I, I just think this Cowboys offense has continued to step up. And something I wanted to make sure to mention was, y'all, Dak Prescott has only played for, what, five games this entire season so far? And he is dominating within the NFL. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can you can argue about the interceptions and, and all of that, but the amount of chemistry this offense has when they are on, they are in it, they are communicating, it's scary. Absolutely scary. Yeah. And, and I also think it's the efficiency as well. And you talk about Dalton Schultz and then what the entire tight end group did. Now, Peyton Hendershot had a touchdown. It was on a running play, not on a pass play. Uh, the tight ends were targeted a little less this past Thursday than the, the previous week. Only seven targets, but seven of seven on those targets. Previous game, 
every target to a tight end was was caught. So, um, and I also want to mention Sean McCune. So he's the fourth tight end. He had 17 plays uh, on Thursday. But the fact that you see four tight ends on the field at the same time for several plays, not all 17 for McCune were four out there. Sometimes he's out there as an extra blocker and short yardage and goal line and, and things like that. But to have that kind of depth, and to have a guy like McCune, who's a, a key guy on special teams, but you can send him out there and he's so efficient and does his role, I think that that's the most important thing that we're seeing as this season goes along. When we talk about guys like Damone Clark on defense and Deron Bland, a couple of rookies who are taking opportunity, taking advantage of the opportunity to play, and now the defense is really counting on him. When you have these role players, these guys like McCune, that's what separates the team when you get to this final month of the season and the playoff runs. And when you have these young guys that have gotten snaps early in the season and now you're counting on the Blands and the, the Clarks of the world. So um, the, it, it's, 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 the way, it's the way that Kellen Moore is using the tight ends, the way that Dak Prescott knows that he can rely on them and how efficient they are when they go to these multi-tight end packages. Yes, the tight ends are a weapon at this point. The, tar- the tight end group, and what they do in the running game especially, but even they're starting to add on to the passing game with Dak Prescott being there and everyone's getting involved. They make a difference on the field because now now you're going to get to a point to where you don't know if they're blocking or if they're going out for a quick out. Like There's so many wrinkles that Kellen Moore is starting to add to this offense because of the tight end room being so versatile because you have gentlemen that do different things within that room that they do well. And like you said, like McEwen, he's – Fantastic blocker, but he does have receiver ability, and that yeah. like it's it's. I asked Christy before you know we came on, like, is this the most versatile tight end group you've seen? And I don't. I've been watching the Cowboys majority of my life. I don't know if I've seen a tight end group play this well this early and everyone be involved the way exactly. that they are. I don't know if I've seen exactly. That. And the thing that I'm most excited about with six games left, we haven't seen Hendershot with in terms of he is a Jarwin-esque kind of downfield guy. (laughs) He's got wheels. He can be a downfield threat. Put him a a seam route and stuff. We haven't really seen that yet, and that's what I'm really waiting for. I think it's going to be real exciting. And he can go. You're right. And I think Kellen has more in his toolbox, as we like to hear. And uh, I think what we're barely seeing is just the tip of the iceberg of what's in that toolbox. I think something um, that's exciting about this Cowboys offense specifically is when you hear – everybody talking about the Dan Quinn defense and the versatility and um, kind of the mind games that this defense will play with the offense. This Cowboys offense has the same capability of playing mind games when it comes to a, when, when it comes to an opposing defense. I mean, you're talking Tony Pollard's on the field. Is he going to run or is he going to go down the seams and is he going to catch the ball for 20 yards down the field? Or you have Jake Ferguson. It, I, I mean, uh, the most Fergalicious hurdle I've ever seen. I've <laughs> oh. seen one. But you have Jake Ferguson, who, my goodness, just absolutely on the come up as, as a Cowboys tight end and just a threat within this uh, within this Cowboys offense. You have CeeDee Lamb, who I absolutely think is making his print as wide receiver one. No doubt about it. You have Michael Gallup, who we talked about, who's on the up and up. Um, and, and just looking at some of this yardage, C.D. Lamb had 106 yards during that game. He only touched the ball six times. That's yeah. insane. He was averaging 
17.7 yards with those uh, receiving yards there. Michael Gallup had five touches on the ball for 63 yards. Jake Ferguson, three touches on the ball for 57 yards. Dalton Schultz, four touches on the ball, 31 yards. Do y'all see a trend here? Just yeah. how dynamic that offense is? Zeke, too. We didn't mention Zeke. There we go. We didn't get to mention Zeke, but I think that I, well, Zeke absolutely came out and made his presence known early in this game. He and loves the this Thanksgiving some, Day feast. This was one of the more elusive games I've seen him like he looked he looked healthy he looked happy yeah. to be out there and every one of his yards mattered 16 for 92 5.8 yards a carry that is impressive by Zeke and this was a game when you had Dexter Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams there in the middle like they were clogging up a lot of space there Thibodeau there on the edge you know causing a lot of issues there with your left tackle but Zeke Zeke Zeke's running in this game early and this is a good example of sometimes it's going to be a TP day and some days like TP is going to have Great his point. spots where he goes crazy and it might be this is a Zeke day and and this weekend well this weekend well Thursday rather Zeke was was the guy and he made a difference um, running the ball early in that game especially to establish that run and Kellen stuck to it right Kellen stuck to the run and saw that yep. there was success in it in certain areas so what I want to ask y'all, we only have two minutes left. Mm-hmm. Time flies when you're talking all things Dallas Cowboys. But who gets your Thanksgiving Day turkey, ladies? Who who are we giving this turkey to? I would say game ball. But in the spirit of giving, we're still talking Thanksgiving. Who gets your Thanksgiving Day turkey? <laughs> Aisha, who gets your turkey for this game? Barnacles. Who gets it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm putting y'all on the spot here a little oh, bit. Oh, goodness gracious. Okay, 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 okay. You we just... only have one minute. Okay, So okay. no pressure. I'm trying to hurry up. Don't be putting all this You're pressure on You're doing amazing. Me. All right, well, <laughs> sugar, honey, iced tea. Okay, Chrissy. Okay, I'm, I'm doing it to as the tight end group. Okay. Dang yeah. it. That That's was my right. backup plan. That was great. <laughs> that was my backup plan. Okay, What's your okay. first plan? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't have a first plan. I guess... That, do you say yours? Okay, <laughs> uh, I'm giving mine to Michael Gallup because that's, I oh, think that's a good one. Just yeah. seeing him on the up and up is absolutely encouraging, and it should be scary for any of the opposing defenses that I'll have say to face CD him, then. especially when the ball's in the air. CD Lamb, I'll say CD then. I'll say CD then. I, he's he's really emerging and really coming into his own with Dak Prescott being on the field. This is actually one of the first times since last year. I mean, even before that, that they've played. This long of a stretch together, consistently, they're starting yeah. to get some some traction. So I'm I'm definitely looking at C.D. Lamb and how well he's playing, coming along as as that guy. Well, there you have it. And speaking of playing, Christy, what is happening tonight that our viewers need to keep an eye on? You need to watch Monday Night Football because the Colts are playing, and that's the Cowboys' upcoming opponent on uh, Sunday at AT&T Stadium. So the poor Colts, they kind of draw the short end of the stick. The Cowboys have extra rest coming off of Thanksgiving. Giving, and then the Colts have a short week, and they have a lot of problems scoring. They're averaging less than 16 points a game. They have been woeful yeah. on offense. So, so watch them score 50 tonight. Yeah, I, know I, I know. I say that. <laughs> they got a not-so-mobile quarterback, too. So, oh, There we go. Well, that gives you a little preview of what's to come on Girls Talk Boys Talk throughout the week. But, unfortunately, we have come to the end of our time. Thank you, ladies, so much for joining us. Thank you all for listening. For Christy, for Aisha, and for Jess, this is been Girls Talk Boys Talk presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboy Ma- Dallas Cowboys. Make sure to stay tuned. You're going to hear from Mike McCarthy here real shortly, and we'll see you tomorrow. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!